This podcast is sponsored by Green Skies Analytics, where they do everything tech-related, but only for internal audit. Although compliance and risk management, y'all are cool too, so feel free to check it out also. To find out more, please visit greenskiesanalytics.com, but it's more likely that you're just going to Google it. So to find out more, please Google Green Skies Analytics. Today, we have Jason Mack on the show. Jason is the Chief Audit Executive at Draper. Draper is a not-for-profit engineering innovation company that designs, develops, and deploys advanced technology solutions for the world's most difficult and important problems. Before joining Draper, Jason was at DCAA, or the Defense Contract Audit Agency, which is basically the audit arm for the Department of Defense. Before that, Jason was a United States Marine, and that's a large part of what our conversation revolves around as you think about Marines, I think about really great leaders. And so who better to get the perspective of being a leader in audit than a former Marine? So some of the things we talk about is what basic training was like. I was just curious about that in general. And then how we can mesh compliance, risk management, and audit to work better as a team, which I thought was a really great question to ask a former Marine who, who has to know that teamwork and the importance of it. Uh, what Jason enjoys most about being a leader why Jason isn't the typical auditor, hint, uh, probably his marine background played a role in that. And then uh, advice on how to get ahead or how to become a chief audit executive. I think that's what a lot of folks aspire to be. So we wanted to get Jason's thoughts on that as well. I thought this was a one of the most quotable for sure episodes that we've done. I don't know how many quotes I wrote down, uh, close to 10 though. So I thought this was, this was a really good one. Hope you guys enjoy it. Here we go. Something I was curious about given like your Marine background. I'm just curious after, um, like I, I saw it was a couple of years ago, like a behind the scenes, um, like the basic training that you guys go through, yeah. like there was a camera crew, something like that. Like, I'm just curious what, like, what was that like? It's, it's kind of tough to put into words. Um, you know, they say they break you down and build you back up. And that, that is, that is the God honest truth. Um, I have never been made to feel so insignificant. And like I had, no idea about anything before in my life. Um, I'd say the, the first day you wake up there in Paris Island, you sit there and think to yourself, wow, I think I may have just made a huge tactical error. What was I thinking? This is horrible. Why would, why would anyone sign up for this? And then you gather yourself and you go, you know, there's got to be a purpose to all of this. And, and after your time down there, it really does. You sit back and think, and you can say, you can, you say, all right, I, I see why they did this. You know, you can't have, a platoon of guys or even a, a whole Marine Corps full of people thinking individually. It's all about thinking of the, the collective good of the organization. And, you know, what do you need to do to accomplish that mission? And to do that, you really have to break down your individualism and, and learn to work as a team and learn not to ever second guess one another. Know that the guy to your left or the girl to your left and the guy to your right or the girl to your right are going to do what they need to do while you do what you need to do. And you also need to be prepared to take whoever's giving you the orders. You need to be ready to step into their shoes in a moment's notice. So it's, it's really about developing situational awareness and the ability to execute tasks without second guessing anything. Um, and just moving forward, I mean, no sane person is going to advance towards machine gun fire, 
Yet the Marine Corps has found a great way to make you do that without second guessing what you're doing. So the other thing that I was kind of interested in was, so I, I went through this whole like discipline thing last year during quarantine about like building discipline and went through this kind of whole program. Um, and then also just kind of read some books on it. So like last year, working from home, being isolated, all that stuff. I was like, you, you know, I felt like I was pretty disciplined, but I really wanted to like just nail it and be able to say like very confidently that I am, uh, you know, like, I don't know how many times I've told myself that, you know, like I'm, I'm tired and it's just like, okay, we'll be tired. You know, you still do it anyway. Yeah. You know, I'm curious what the, the impact it had on your, your discipline was. So I, I would say that before the Marine Corps, I was, a I lacked discipline. I lacked direction. I mean, I went in later than most people. I was 22 years old when I went in. I initially wanted to go into the army when I was 17. Mm -hmm. And like my folks kind of talked me out of it based off of their experiences. I mean, my father was a, a guy drafted during Vietnam. So he had some pretty strong opinions on it. And they knew me, know me pretty well. They dealt with me for the first 17 years of my life. And they said, you know, Jason, this is probably not for you. You're not someone who takes direction very well. <laughs> um, and at that point in my life, they, they were they were hitting the nail on the head there. So I said, you know what? These people have put up with me for 17 years. The least I could do is try it their way. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I went to college. You know, I, I tried to do that. I was not ready for that at that time of my life. I worked, kind of went in and out of college. I was actually sitting in class in UMass Boston in my junior year. And I said to myself, you know, boy, I still have that itch to go and serve. I was like, well, you're not getting any younger. Let's go do it. So I walked out of class, went to the Marine Corps recruiter's office and signed up <laughs> then and there, took the ads app. You know, they said you can have any job you want in the Marine Corps based off of your test. And I said, I want to go into the infantry. My recruiter said, what is wrong with you? He said, anyone can pretty much go into the infantry. Why, why would you want to do that? And I said, well, I could go do these other jobs in an easier branch of service and probably have a better quality of life. I said, you know, if I'm going to do this, I want to go all the way and, and take the path of probably most resistance and see, do I have what it takes? Um, and he said, okay, don't say I didn't warn you. So I, I can honestly say my recruiter never lied to me. Um, in hindsight, I would not change a thing. Uh, it's maybe who I am today. Um, getting back to your original question about discipline and stuff, it is instilled in me, this discipline. It, it really impacts all of my life. Like I'm a guy, I get up at 4, 4.30 in the morning so that I can PT before work. I'm no spring chicken anymore. I'm 44 years yeah. old. Um, and my body feels every day that I served in the Marine Corps. Yeah. You know, there are aches and pains that, that I didn't know you could have, um, but I still keep doing it. Um, and from an auditing perspective, I think it really helps make me successful as an auditor because I'm highly organized. I'm disciplined. Um, I have a good way of approaching tasks. And I try to instill that into people beneath me. And I think it kind of, it rubs off on them. Yeah. Personal question again, which most of these are, but, uh, I'm in, I, I kind of like the answers and the way you're, you're going yeah. with them. So we'll probably end up including some of it, but what kind of PT do you do? Uh, so I've always been a big weight, weightlifting guy like that. So I, you can, auditing can be a very stressful job, especially, you know, you can feel like you're out on an Island a lot of the times. Mm -hmm. Um, I got young kids at home. I get a 10 year old, a seven year old, a wife, um, if I don't have an outlet for my stress, I can be a real miserable person to be around. And no, nobody wants that. So for PT, I, I, I do probably 30 minutes to an hour of weightlifting. And then at a minimum, 
I will do 30 minutes of some type of running. It'll either be a three mile run. I will not run any minimum, anything less than three miles if I'm running like a pace mm -hmm. um, or I'll do interval running for 30 minutes where I'll do like a all out sprint for 60 seconds then a two minute kind of slow jog and just repeat that cycle for 30 minutes straight. Um, and I do that Monday through Friday. Like I'll do Monday, Wednesday, Friday, three mile run, Tuesday, Thursday, interval runs. Saturday, I'll run somewhere from five to 10 miles. One place in my life that I lack discipline is, is around the dinner plate and food. Like <laughs> I, I, I love sweets and stuff, man. And, and I am proof that you cannot out train a bad guy. Because nice. um, no matter how much I do, I still have this roly poliness about me. Um, <laughs> but that's because I, I cannot be disciplined about the food. Okay, so you were talking about uh, your background in the Marines and how that instilled this sense of, of teamwork in you. And I know that's one of the topics that we want to talk about is how can we mesh compliance and internal audit functions to really to work better as a team? So with your extensive background and experience uh, in that and it being drilled in your head, I would love to hear your opinion on that. Yeah, you know, I, I think a lot of times people, when they think of audit, they think of audit as, you know, you got to be independent. You got to remain independent and it's rigid. You can't cross these barriers. Um, and, and I would say, you know, especially if you look at the new three lines of defense that came out, I don't know, was it maybe within the last year or so, um, that kind of is getting away from this, this, you know, you must operate in a silo and you can't work with these other groups. I, I look at it as, you know, compliance, risk management, audit, we're kind of tips of a triad and, and almost like using a sports analogy, like audit is almost like we're not the goalie. We're almost like the referee. If we're finding that a puck got into the net, it's, it's too late. You know, ultimately, hopefully compliance and risk management and audit are working together so that, you know, we're kind of seeing these things coming as it's developing. And you're saying, you know, this looks like there's going to be an issue. Let's try and develop some type of mitigating str str strategy to keep this from being like, either an internal audit finding something, an external audit or finds or something that gets disclosed through maybe a hotline or something like that. Um, you know, here at, at, at Draper, we've developed a, a compliance working group that's championed by our associate director of ethics and compliance. And it, it's, I, I sit on that and so do a bunch of different um, people who represent compliance in various areas throughout the organization. And it, it meets monthly. And the plan is, you know, you talk about the issues as they're coming up. And, and I've, I was clear from the beginning. I said, you know, I can't tell you guys how to do things as audit because that's a, a clear violation of, of my independence here. I go, but what I can do as we talk through these issues, I can tell you trends that I'm seeing in our audit reports. I can offer suggestions on ways to strengthen controls around things and stuff. And you guys, you know, as management, you can choose to adopt those you can choose to ignore them you know but we should have this ongoing discussion of what can we do to protect the organization how do we make sure that you know the business has the controls and protections in place so that they can meet their business objectives without being overly burdensome um, the last thing I want to do is put in some type of, of process or control that makes people doing their jobs a nightmare or yeah. it makes their jobs impossible. It, it defeats the purpose. Yeah, that's a good, it's kind of a theme I've heard, uh, I guess that we've heard over the past few episodes is 
we make a recommendation, but we really need to like consider the impact on business operations when we do that. If that, you know, if we make a recommendation and they go, well, yeah, we can do that, but um, we're either going to have to hire somebody full time or, you know, it's just going to be a huge burden. What's the best fit for mitigating that risk relative to the resources that we have and, and working with them to get that. So it's, it's good to kind of hear that, that theme continue to, to come out, you know, over the past couple of weeks. Yeah. I, I've talked a lot lately with my team about, you know, we're going to have findings where, you know, the only solution to these findings, it's going to cost money mm-hmm. or it's going to cost resources in terms of hiring additional heads. Neither of those might be a reality. And I said, what I want you to do is, is work, work with the business unit to talk about other ways to kind of mitigate these risks that there, there are solutions that maybe they're not the ideal solution, but they're probably the most practical solution at this time. You're not trying to get the risk down to zero. You're never going to make a risk totally eliminate. What you want to do is, is have a balance, you know, is the risk at a level that, that management can, can accept and deal with and still be able to get their job done without some undue harm happening to the, the company. Yeah. Um, you know, and when it comes to working with compliance, risk management functions, really communication is the key, M- much like, like everything else. You know, it should be constant communication. You know, we should be picking up the phone, talking to each other. You know, e- email is a wonderful thing for, for quick transmission of data and stuff. But there's a lot to be said about face-to-face conversation and even talking on this old archaic thing that we call a phone. Um, I just think that that something more happens when you communicate that way rather than firing off an email. So then I guess also with your, your Marine background, there's a lot of leadership that also goes into that being a leader and and being the leader of your internal auditor function. What do you, what do you enjoy the most about leading your team? So I, I love developing people. And ever since I was like a supervisor, when I used to work for DCAA, um, one of the greatest joys I get is, is developing auditors, watching them grow. Um, when I be- first became a supervisor, made the jump from auditor to supervisor, one of the things I'll never forget, I was asked in the interview process for that is like, why do you want to be a supervisor? And that's kind of a canned question that people ask all the way as you move up the management chain. Like, why do you want to be a manager? Why do you want to be, you know, the, the chief audit executive? And, and my answer has always been the same to those type of questions. Like, I want to be able to, to make an impact. I want to make an impact on people. And I, and I said, you know, as an auditor, all I could impact was myself and what I do. As a supervisor, I can impact a team of auditors and I can make a difference with them. As a manager, I could impact an office full of auditors and help that. As chief audit executive here, I can impact not only my, my audit team, but I impact the entire organization. If you don't think people are watching you and what you do, you're sadly mistaken. You, you need to remember all eyes are always on you when you get to a certain level and you need to set that example. Um, I try to instill in my auditors, you know, always, always remain professional, continuous learning. Um, you know, we talked about discipline earlier. I try to be, I used to be the first one in, the last one to leave. I think that's not the right thing to show nowadays. Like what, what matters is, are you getting your job done? Are you doing efficiently? Um, it's hard to be the first one in here where I'm already up at four o'clock and going to the gym. Uh, before I used to, when I could work out after work, that's a different story, um, you know, but put in the effort, you know, integrity above everything. As, as an auditor, if you don't have integrity, I think you're, you're pretty much useless. Um, that's, that's kind of blunt and to the point, but 
you're supposed to be the gatekeeper. You're supposed to be the one who's saying, you know, is this being done as it's supposed to be done? Are we adhering to these regulations? Are we following our policies? If you don't practice what you preach, what, what, what do you, what, what, you don't hold any water, basically. Um, you know, you, what, what value is in that report? If I have an auditor out there doing a timekeeping audit and they're, they're telling me, oh, you know, these people are charging eight hours a day, they're only working six hours. But then I hear from someone else in the building, you know, I never see your auditor in here anymore, or I only see them in here for three hours a day. What type of message is being sent yeah. there, you know? Um, I, I like to teach the auditors maybe a different point of view on things. Um, I know when I was a junior auditor, I, I would look and say, okay, the regulation says A, B, C, and D. It must meet A, B, C, and D with no room for inference. Um, going to write it up, going to write them up. Got to have findings to support my existence. As an auditor, you kind of have that, that policeman's mentality sometime or that gotcha mentality. I'd argue that in today's environment with that type of mentality, you're not going to go far um, and you're not going to be valued in the organization you're in. That should be a very small part of what we're doing as internal audit. There are going to be findings. Don't get me wrong, but there's a way to communicate those findings and discuss those findings with both with management, the audit committee, and the people you're auditing. To try to point the figure or cast blame on why things are happening is, is not the right message. You know, it should be, we should view ourselves as, as problem solvers and solution seekers. Um, I want to go in, I, I, when, I, when I first came into this role, I've kind of continuously communicated since my first day here at Draper that, you know, I want to be viewed as a business partner. I'm here to help you. We want to catch things while they're small and we want to fix them before they snowball into some big snafu that we're all trying to clean up afterwards. You know, I'm not here to say, uh -huh, I got you. You did this wrong. I'm here to say, hey, this is how you're doing something. Maybe this is a better way to do it. Or have you ever considered this? Um, and I, I, I tried to get my, my folks to embrace that. And I think they see the value in it. And, and they see that, you know, there's a lot of, I'm trying to think of the right, I hate using the word like politicalness, like in being the auditor and stuff, but you walk, you walk kind of a, a razor blade, you know, you know, it's, it's between, you know, remaining independent, adhering to the standards, and also being a valued service provider to those that you're auditing. So it really comes down to, you know, communication, like we talked about earlier. Communication, 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 nine times out of 10, it always does circle back to that. One thing I wanted to, you had asked about like in my role being a leader and stuff. I, uh -huh. uh, one thing I did not touch upon that I think is important is like, so yeah, on paper, I'm a leader to, to the, the group here, the internal audit group. But I also like my role gives me the, the opportunity to really interact a lot with the C-suite, um, you know, and the other real senior leaders in the organization. And I would think I would tell you that I think I'm viewed as a peer with them and then they value. I bring a, a different perspective to things that I think sometimes would get lost if I didn't have a seat at the table with them. And I think that's that's very valued. Um, so in a way, you know, we, we kind of lead one another almost, you know, I, I don't know if that makes sense what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm afforded that that is one of the greatest things I think about this role is, is being able to to have that interaction to have that influence and to know that you are really being a change agent like you're supposed to be. Yeah. I think the, that's one of the things I like most about audit is we get to hit kind of everything 
uh, especially like at a CAE level. And then you have the interactions with everyone there. And really, as somebody actually put it to me the other way, the other day, they asked, um, what is internal audit? And I, you know, gave them kind of my spiel and they said, um, you know, the way I've, I've thought about it is we're the eyes and ears of the board. And I thought that was kind of an interesting way to put it. And when you're the eyes and ears of the board, you definitely can, can create some change and be that change agent, agent, like you talked about. So, uh, that's a, that's a, a, a big piece of what I like about the profession also. So when we talked previously, you said that you weren't the typical auditor and, and then you kind of started to go into it a little bit. And I said, wait, let's just, let's just save that. Like I, I'm, I'm very interested to hear your, your, your answer to that. Uh, so let me throw that to you. So you said you weren't the typical auditor. Why is that? So if you were to go back, I don't know, 18, 20 years and ever tell me I was going to be an auditor, I'd say, I'm not going to go work for the IRS yeah. because that's all I envision auditors doing. Like they're a bunch of bean counters. Right. You know, I don't want to work in an office. That is, that is not who I am at all. I said, oh, I'll have some outdoor job, you know. Um, it's funny because now that I, I look back on things, this is really probably the, the best profession for me. Um, it really dovetails a lot into kind of like we were talking earlier about the Marine Corps and stuff like the values and stuff I learned in the Marine Corps really tie themselves well into auditing. Um, you know, auditing is it's a white collar kind of profession. I, I don't consider myself a white collar person. If anything, I'm more of a blue collar person. Um, and I think that's largely due to kind of my upbringing, um, kind of the path I've taken in, in life, which was not your traditional path. Um, you know, I, I'm someone who pretty much worked full time through college, you know, while getting like a couple bachelor's degrees, a master's degree. Um, same thing with my certifications. I've never had the opportunity to just say, you know, okay, I get to just study and not work. I, I don't know what that is like. Um, I think that's helped instill the work ethic I have in me though. Um, like, like I mentioned to you earlier, there's no middle ground with me. It's either zero or 10. Like, and when I commit to something, there, there is no turning back. You know, I jump in two feet in the fire um, and I'm going to get it done come hell or high water. And, and, you know, I'm going to make mistakes along the way, but I think, you know, that you can't be afraid as an audit. Auditors are, are usually afraid to make mistakes. We're very risk averse people. Mm -hmm. You got to stop that. You got to accept that you're going to make mistakes. It's part of learning. The problem is if you keep making the same mistake over and over again, then there's an issue. But, you know, you make a mistake, you learn from it, you course correct. Um, and that's how you get ahead in this game. You know, you, you have to be willing to take calculated chances. You don't just go lump, lump jump off the rooftop of the building without peeking over the edge first. You got to take calculated risk to make sure that they're the right risk at the right time. It's no different than when you're, you're auditing like the risk management function or, or you're looking at risk management from a business perspective. Businesses need to make calculated risk to be successful. It's no different in your personal life. Um, yeah. When I said, you know, I'm far from your typical auditor, I, I, Maybe I come across more polished than I think I am, but I think I'm, I'm a little bit rough around the edges. Um, you know, if I were to roll up these sleeves, I have like Marine Corps tattoos all along one arm and a bunch of skulls and stuff on this arm. It's not not what you envision when you, you think of an, an auditor, you know, um, which I think that maybe just goes back to kind of when you look at society in general, there's a lot of stereotypes about professions and people. Um, which is kind of a, it's a sad state of affairs, you know, because when you look at what, what makes an organization strong, what makes a team strong, it's a, it's a 
diversity. Yeah. You need diversity in people's backgrounds and diversity in their every 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 successful organization needs to have a diverse workforce. If not, you're going to suffer from groupthink, and you're not going to get where you need to go. Um, you know, diversity is is just as important as how much capital you have on hand. It's no different. Human capital is even more important than your your liquidated capital, if you yeah, will. That's a great point. Um, you know, what makes me different when I say, you know, I'm not your typical auditor. I, I The Marine Corps instilled in me like these core values, honor, courage, commitment, um, integrity. That is what it it motivates me to this day. I, I live and bleed those values. Um, you know, I, I, every day, like I, I am, a, I am a Marine first and foremost. You know, I, I've been out for, geez, it's been a long time. I got an 03, so 18 years, which is crazy because in my mind, it seems like it was yesterday. Yeah. Um, but that is, that is what motivates me. I feel like I have to uphold the tradition of the Marine Corps. And I have a certain, certain way I need to carry myself and a certain way I need to represent myself. Otherwise, I am doing a disservice to the Marine Corps and I'm tarnishing the image of the Marine Corps. Um, it it kind of goes hand in hand with being an auditor. You know, we're held... Like it or not, we're held to a higher standard than, than other employees in an organization. You know, we it, our actions are, are under a microscope at all times. Um, it's it's just part of being an auditor and the way it goes. And and, and I, I welcome it. Um, you know, like I, I mentioned to you earlier, if we don't have integrity as auditors, we really have nothing. Um, yeah. uh, you know, as an auditor, and just like the Marine Corps, it's never about yourself. It's always about the greater good for the organization. The Marine Corps in, instills that in you from day one in boot camp, and they continue breaking you down until you get on board or you get off that train. Um, as an auditor, it's never about me. It, it should never be about me. If it does, I should I should find another profession. It's about what is best for Draper. What is best for the organization? Are the decisions we're making right on the macro level for all of the organization? There can be no stovepipes. There can be no kind of this is what's best for this function. This is what's best for this part of the organization. It's what is best for all. What ensures the long-term viability of the organization? That was fantastic. I'm curious because you're, you're talking about the values that were instilled in you. And I don't think we could all go join the Marine Corps to- uh, No, not at all. <laughs> instilled in us. But it sounds like a lot of that, really the foundation, the that being as a foundation is kind of what's helped you become the leader that you are and to become the uh, a chief audit executive. Um, and so for those that are aspiring to become that, who don't have, you know, the time to become uh, a Marine, um, what, what advice would you give them on how to do that and kind of how to get ahead? Yeah, um, that, that's, that's a great question. Um, first and foremost, you always strive to do your best. Um, like I said earlier, always strive to do your best and don't be afraid to make mistakes. Make, de- make decisions. One thing that drove me nuts as a junior auditor would see would, would be when I see people in leadership positions that could not make a decision, or they just wanted to wait longer and longer until they get more data and more data yeah. to make sure they made the right decision. The real world does not operate that way. You need to, if you're waiting too long, your decision becomes irrelevant. Mm-hmm. You need to make a decision with the data you have at hand. And like I said earlier, are you always gonna bat a thousand? No, you're gonna have some bad decisions. You learn from them and move forward. If new data comes into you after you make that decision, look it over and revisit. Maybe you change your your course there. Um, you know, 
you always want to differentiate yourself from your peers. Um, you know, when I joined DCAA, I had two bachelor's degrees. I didn't have a master's. I didn't have any certifications, nothing. CPA is, is very valued in that organization. I had a young kid at the time, a baby. I said, there's no way I can study for the CPA. That's like a year of your life you need yeah. to dedicate, you know? Um, and, and I just, it wasn't a reality. So I said, you know, what are some other things I could do? I could get the certified government auditing professional certification. So I did that. I could get a master's degree. I did that. Um, I've gotten my CIA, my, my CRMA, my CFE. All of those have happened since I've been working at Draper. Um, never, never become comfortable. The day you become comfortable is the day you will stop being able to be competitive with your peers. You know, comfort kills. Uh, you need to, to keep moving, keep striving for the best. Um, we talked earlier about communication, getting ahead and being successful. Develop a coalition of, of people you look up to, you know, find supervisors, managers, those that are in the positions you want to move up to that you admire and look forward, look, look up to. Take, take pieces of them. Take the best of what you see in them and adapt it to what you do every day. I would not be sitting where I am today if it was not for a great bunch of leaders in the Marine Corps, in DCAA, in Draper, um, in my personal life. I, I try to pull positive things from everybody and say, you know, what can I learn from this person? Ne never stop learning. Um, keep learning and, and keep trying to make a difference. A, a lot of getting where I am is luck plays a part. I'm not going to lie to you. It's, it's the, the right place, the right time, the right opportunity, and not being afraid to, to take that opportunity. I, I had been with DCAA for almost 14 years when I was approached about this position I'm in now at Draper. Um, as a government employee, you have a certain level of not protection, but job security, um, you know, where you don't have to worry, you know, are they going to lay me off tomorrow? If, you, if you're doing your job, there's really no need to worry about getting let go. Um, where, you know, in the private sector, that, that can just happen. Places reorganize, things happen. Um, you also hear I heard a lot when I was with DCAA that, you know, when you leave and go to the private sector, you know, that there's, you're going to work 60, 70 hours a week. You know, that's the way it is out in industry. It's no different in the Marine Corps. I would hear all the time, you get out of the Marine Corps, you're going to go, you want fries with that. That's what your future will be. You need to stay in the Marine Corps. That, that's like hammered home. I can't tell you how many first sergeants and staff sergeants would say, you better practice saying, you know, do you want fries with that? Because there's no future for you outside of the Marine Corps. Um, I guess they were probably wrong or they're just, that's a, a misguided attempt to motivate you to yeah. stay in. I'm an auditor. I got presented this, this, this chance. I analyzed it for a good couple of weeks. And I said, you know what, the, I was at a point in my career where, you know, if you don't leave the government, it makes no sense to leave another few years later. You've got to stay for the duration yeah. and you just embrace it and, and try to become an SES or do everything you need to, to get, get ahead in that game. I said, you know, I'm at the point now, let, let's let's take the risk. Let's see what it's like. This is a, a heck of an opportunity at an outstanding company that I knew a lot about from my time with DCAA. You know, these opportunities don't come around that often. Let, let's, let's jump on it. No regrets whatsoever. Best decision I've ever made. Um, I feel like every day I come to work, I have an, a, a, the ability to, to impact the organization for the better. I feel like my voice is heard. Not that that wasn't happening before, but this is just, it's, 
it's leaps and bounds that the government has a certain bureaucracy to it, um, which I, I think anyone who's in the government will tell you that's, that is the way the government functions. Yeah. To, to institute change takes a long time, where to, to make change happen in a private sector, you can, you can influence that a lot quicker, and it's really rewarding. I think those outside the government understand that too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Well, I'll just ask uh, last thing. Is there, uh, I don't know if you want to summarize or, or, or what, but your parting words for the audience. Uh, parting words would be, you know, I, I want to thank you, Trent, for letting me come on the audit podcast. You know, I don't know if everybody knows this, but I had never listened to a podcast until I saw like a, a two-minute soundbite of one of yours on LinkedIn. And I said, gee, maybe it's time for me to enter the 21st century now and figure out how to how to make this happen. I've always wanted to. I just I never took the time to sit down and, and say, you know, how the heck do I get these things on my smartwatch so I can listen to them when I'm running? Um, you know, but now, now you've kind of created this monster where I've got a whole list of them. Um, it's been great. And, and just to circle back when we're talking about stuff, you know, I, I would just reiterate, you know, if you want to be successful in the auditing game, you, you got to be, be a good communicator, you know, make smart, educated risk decisions, practice, practice differentiating yourself from your peers, you know, do what it needs to do to stick out. You know, there's tons of auditors out there. What, what makes, what is the reason you should move up to the supervisor versus your colleague next to you? Look, look for ways to differentiate yourself and, and look for people to emulate, take, take the best of everyone you, you come in contact with and learn from them. Um, don't be afraid to ask for help. That's probably the, the biggest thing there. I would say I ask people for help all the time and I admit when I'm wrong and I'll be the first to say, Hey, look, I'm not an expert in this, but this is my opinion. You know, I would go find an expert if you want a true, true answer to it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I probably start most conversations with, I'm not an expert in this, but you know, like, yeah, exactly. Uh, you're the expert here, but um, so anyway, as auditors, we're kind of jack of all trades, masters yeah. of none. Yes. Yeah. yeah. All right, Jason, I appreciate your time a ton. Uh, glad that we got to introduce you to the, the podcasting world um, <laughs> as a listener and as a guest. And certainly appreciate your background, uh, your your marine background and how that shaped you and, and the, the guidance that you're able to kind of throw out there to the audience. So uh, thank you very much for coming on. It was fantastic having you. Thank you. My, my pleasure. Stay safe. Stay well. If you enjoyed the podcast, would you please consider leaving a rating on iTunes or whatever platform you're listening on right now? It really makes a difference in helping to convince hard to get guests to come on the show. I did it and it only took me 16 seconds to give myself a five-star rating. So it shouldn't take uh, too much longer than that. Thank you very much for listening.